If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the Goat Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a goat, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubenville, and welcome to another episode of the Goat Consulting Podcast right here in studio in VC Productions in Nashville, Tennessee. We're so, thank you, thank you. We're glad you're here with us today. we got one of our favorite guests at the table. We'll, we'll introduce him in just a second and do part two. He is the defender of Pepsi. <laughs> in a race without a finish line, and he loves the cure. We'll talk about him in just a second. But to my right, he is the founder and the CEO of the Goat family of brands, my good friend Tyler Burnett. Tyler drove up in the uh, Sprinter. We had a nice long conversation. Going to do some work afterwards in Nashville. Maybe we'll stop by and, and get some duck fat tater tots over there. Uh, merchants. Ed Merchants, you introduced me to that. To the left, we call him the LinkedIn Whisperer. Uh, he is the calming force to our show, Faraday. Is the T-shirt you have oh, on God, today? Yeah, and met, met met found out about Faraday through our good friend Max here. No, I, I found you, out Faraday. My bank account found we just out about Faraday. Um, <laughs> we just know that. Fa- do you buy, do you buy it through Faraday or like Oak Hall? A, both. He I has know. a small ownership piece in that. We, we want you to buy when and when it's not on discount. <laughs> yes, John Byers. John, thank you for being here today. We're going to continue our conversation with uh, Max Goldberg, uh, co-founder and owner of Strategic Hospitality, and. Uh, child on the way uh in a great season of life we appreciate you taking time to be here today great to be i've never heard anyone say the defender of pepsi that may be my new uh you need to put that (laughs) on your handle that's right i like it yeah previous well well played former yes former defender of pepsi i've gone i've gone to the other side at this point you know max might help us rewrite our um your framework for the episode because he when we talked about the 20s 30s 40s and 50s offline he said i kind of see that as earning learning and returning he did so maybe that'll come out as well but i want to start with this question he said learning earning and returning just there you go, Professor. That's I, it. Yeah, there it is. So yes, thank you. Because in your twenties, like you don't have you don't have talent, you don't have money, you don't have it. You take more it's than got you your looks, can give. Yeah. Yes, it's for some of us. Um, I w- you have been nominated for the James Beard Award twelve times, a semifinalist five times. Can you help us understand the? the meaning of how meaningful that really is because I feel like that's like an Oscar. Like if you're acting, you that's Oscar worthy, right? Like your performance or what you've done. Can you help us? Is that right? How would you view it? Are you calling me the Susan Lucci of the uh, restaurant world over here? <laughs> thanks for thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. <laughs> never uh, never won one, but maybe uh, maybe this year. Uh, it is, it is daytime uh, to daytime television. It is our uh, our our one of our highest awards. Um, it's incredibly meaningful to, to the restaurants, to the chefs, to whomever. Uh, but what I'd love to do is be able to bring one uh, bring another one to Nashville. Um, so that that would be great. Um, it's uh it's it's huge. I, I don't I don't know how else to describe it other than it's it's really really meaningful for our industry and it's um you know something we all strive for. Mm. You 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 say bring it to Nashville. One of the things that I love about you in the short time that I've got to know you is that you you bring people with you. 
It's not just mm-hmm. about you. It's about the success of everybody that's with you. We, yeah, I know that's what you, goats do, right? The goats do yeah. that. They elevate the play of those yeah. around them. They won't let me talk about that kind of stuff anymore, but we'll talk about that later on <laughs> off air. But Jenny Bratt does, does a great job for you, and I knew Jenny while she was at MTSU and, and tried to convince her that she could do both a Ph.D. and work for you at the same time, but she wasn't drinking a Kool-Aid at that time. What, <laughs> what, what do people like that, what, what do you see in them? Uh, someone like her when she first gets started, and then what what do you see along the way? And she's part of the journey. She obviously has some incredible talent. Yeah, Jenny is uh, someone who I've worked with now for uh, over 13 years. She was our first kind of real hire, if you will, outside one of the restaurants. And my brother and I had no idea why someone with her talent wanted to work with us. <laughs> and she has uh, been a driving force in everything we do. I mean, she's I was on a Zoom with her right before this. We spend almost every day together. Um, we, we're surrounded, honestly, by dynamic women that we've worked with for a long time. Most yeah. of our leadership team are, are just awesome, uh, female, uh, brilliant people. And Jenny's one of them. And uh you know, love her personally and professionally. She's great. Uh, gave a speech at her wedding, even though she didn't ask me to. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, she, she's, she's fantastic. But we've been really, really lucky that, um, you know, we, we've been in business together, my brother and I, for um, almost 16 years. And so many of the people that we still work with today um, have been around for a long time. And yeah. I think you get to know each other, support each other's strengths, weaknesses, empower those to do well, and, and try to create real meaningful careers with these folks. And we've been really fortunate to do that. You talk about the role of women, and you specifically mentioned that when you talked about Jenny and, and women be a part of, being a part of your team. Is there something that you – is that intentional, or is it because women – and maybe both – women tend to have um, traits that men don't. Some not This is not universal, right? But for the most part, is there something that women tend to have in the work that you do that makes it more meaningful for them to be a part of what you just said? I wish I could say something really brilliant. It, it just happened. Okay. I mean, it's it's it, there was no intentionality about it. Um, it just they were the most talented, best people around us, and they happen to be women. Um, and it's awesome to be able to do. And I love their perspective because it's it's similar and different than mine. But there was no intentionality about it. it just organically happened. Because what I might make up is that you know it's kind of like this motherly hospitality kind of feel, like the patriarch or the matriarchs in the family, right? Like. You kind of, there's something that we all, maybe not all, certainly not all, but maybe some of us grew up with like that kind of matriarchal Yeah, I did not experience. grow up with that, but I would like that, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it was at my, my grandma's, right, mm-hmm. every time I went over, and, and so there's just something. So anyways, I, uh, I would just that. say they're, they're the best at, at what they do, and uh, they, they run our show for sure. Um, the organizational piece of it, the brilliant critical thinking, um, they're just awesome, and I did support Jenny to get her doctorate, by the way. I just wanted to make sure she wouldn't leave us. But I don't want you to think I wasn't supportive <laughs> no, of, yeah. uh, of that happening. She's, she told me that. Education she, first. Yeah, yes, there you go. yes. Can we she, talk about strategic hospitality? I feel like there's a lot of intention around the name of the, the mothership. Is and that we, how it started, or is it just yeah. was it just one restaurant, and then you decided to move into that? So my brother founded it. So he, he called me when I was still living in New York, and we were trying to think about names. And I remember sitting in my cousin Rachel's um, apartment in New York talking about him. We were all just kind of brainstorming at the dinner table together. And um, he had a few different names. He was thinking about Midnight Oil was one of them, um, which was, is actually Randy Gerber's group from Casamigos and Sky Bar. And so that didn't work. And strategic hospitality just kind of came about because we we knew and again i was working in new york this is just benjamin's company before we partnered up but we wanted the name hospitality and then we thought strategic can mean so many different things 
and it just kind of worked. And so just came about strategic hospitality. Yeah, one of the things when I think about strategy is I think at the heart of competition is strategy. And at the heart of strategy is not about being the best. Everyone says they're the best. It's about the unique value that you deliver. When you think about your different properties, your different projects, what is the, the one piece of unique value that ties them all together? You know, we, we strive that hopefully everyone has that perception of value, that whether you're going in for a uh, $7 cheeseburger at when Paradise Park was open or a, a $250 tasting menu with the catbird seat, you leave feeling like you got value for what you came in for. And we provided true hospitality. And to me, that means a, a lot more than just great food and drink. You know, we live by the Maya Angelou quote that people may not mm-hmm. remember what you said or what you did, but they always remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And the one thing that, that we ask ourselves every day is how can we get better? You know, and, and, and how can we make sure that people feel that warmth in our restaurants? And we hope that's a consistent theme, whether it's at the soccer stadium or baseball stadium for a concessions piece. You know, we're working on a pretty cool airport project right now. And how do you do that at scale versus when you come into Locust and you have the chefs delivering the food and you have that interaction? Yeah. How do you feel that warmth? And so it's uh, it's a, a living, breathing organism that we, we fight for every day. Um, but it's it's that's hopefully the core of what you experience. That if you come into one of our restaurants, you feel warmth. You didn't land on strategic service. So there was very something very intentional around strategic hospitality. So I want to kind of I want to get some feedback from you on how how might you differentiate service and hospitality? So I mean service has to happen. You have to have good service, but to me and I'm not discrediting you know how important service is, but it's almost a throwaway to me that you should be able to to know what to do and to have that service. But and you guys can maybe think about this. How many times have you gone into a technically perfect restaurant, but it was mm-hmm. cold, you were a number in the system, it didn't, you didn't really leave feeling great. And I've been fortunate to eat in some of the best restaurants in the world. And I can tell you my experience at Arnold's Meat and 3 is better than most of them, right? Mm-hmm. You walk in and the way you feel in that space and the hospitality you receive, that's what you remember. And so to me, I remember how I felt in the space. I, the food and drink needs to be great, and we strive to, to be able to have some of the most talented chefs putting out the absolute best f- food in the world. But if you go to some of these restaurants and they have the best food and drink in the world, but you don't feel welcome or warm, you're not going to go back. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody put it this way, and I think you nailed it. Um, services, doing the thing you do, precision, accuracy, efficiency. Hospitality is how you make the person feel that you're doing it for. Yeah. I think I think that's 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 right. I mean, would you guys want to go into the best, you know, bite of food you've ever had, but you are treated really poorly and you don't feel great in the space, or would you rather go into a place that has pretty good food but you feel great? Hopefully, you can do both. But yeah. I personally can't go into a space where I don't feel welcome or warm. And you know, some of these you know top restaurants in the world you go into and you just a number in the system and they're just executing what they do and it's it's brilliant and beautiful. But I have no desire to go back. There's not memories necessarily created for me. Um, that's just not what we strive for. That, that's not um, who we are. That's not the ethos of what we do. Er, er, earlier you talked about ingredients, and you kind of alluded to, you know, ingredients around what makes food excellent. I think there's, you know, obviously most of us probably understand ingredients are very important, right? Certainly in the 12 venues that you have today. What are the type of ingredients that go into creating that warmth that doesn't have to do with food yeah you know i'm a a big believer in betting you know on the right jockey maybe not the right horse Mm -hmm. and so when trevor for example who um was at noma for a few years when they were best restaurant in the world um which is 
one of the most inspiring places ever created. And he was our second chef at Capward. He had this crazy idea of wanting to open up a, a kakagori shop that's Japanese shaved ice. And now it's evolved into a full blown restaurant. I had no idea what he was talking about and yeah. I learned, but I believed in, in Trevor. And so um, that's played out really great. And it's, it's been a, a fantastic restaurant. I think a great addition in Nashville. Locust. Locust. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I think you really need to have, the people that are around you at your core and really know how to support them, how to get out of the way, how to empower them. I think that that's first and foremost. I think you need to be really smart with your financials. I think you need to make sure that you find good deals to put together. And I think the most important thing uh, is to be kind. And that doesn't mean that you can't be mm. competitive and that doesn't mean that you can't try to, to be really great at what you do, but be kind about how you put deal structures together, how you treat people. And I think at the end, the end result, you'll, do better financially, you're creating more meaningful product, but just be kind at the core of it. <clears throat> my, my goat for this uh, episode was uh, Danny Meyer. Oh, sure. And, I read his book every year. Yeah. And um, when I was a kid growing up, um, my dad, who is my stepdad, Wayne Williams, I call it the Wayne Williams School for Better Living and Better People, part of what you had to do every Sunday was watch 60 Minutes. Love and it. and you, you, didn't, you didn't have to have your eyes open, but you had to listen. And so I still today watch 60 Minutes. And, and I watched Anderson Cooper interview Danny Meyer. And I wanted to read this to you and get your thoughts on it. He said, he said that to Danny, he said, so the experience of dining out for you is the most important thing. Just asking that question. And Anderson has ways to ask questions that peer into people's souls. Tell us just real quick, Danny Meyer. Yeah, founder of Shake Shack. Thank you. But also, I love Madison Park, we're setting the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I mean, revolutionized the, the restaurant business, right? Yep. Yep. He is, he is uh, the embodiment of hospitality, yeah. in my opinion. Said no smoking in bars, small plates, tried things that took risks that nobody else would take. But here's, what, here's Meyer's answer, and it makes me think about some of the things that you said. I think the experience of how you're made to feel is the most important thing. Hospitality basically says the most important business principle at work, way beyond the food, tastes great. And by the way, if the food doesn't taste great, you'll never come back here. But if the food tastes great, that alone doesn't make it. That, that does not assure that you'll be back here. So what hospitality does is it adds the way we're made to feel uh, on top of the food tasting good. And here's the, here's the lesson that he said that, that he learned along the way. He said that we teach our people that everybody on earth is wearing a sign. And on that sign, it said, I want to be made to feel important about X. And through empathy and vulnerability, we teach our people how brightly the sign is lit, how big the font is, and what X is. And I thought that was a really interesting way to describe that warmth that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, Danny Meyer is certainly a goat, somebody I I respect and admire, and I had the opportunity to meet him in line at the original Shake Shack 17 years ago. And I had no idea who he was, but he was waiting in line just like everybody else. For that hamburger. For but it all comes back to the hamburger, yeah. the burger. There you go. Uh, Anderson asked him, what is it about this burger? He said, you know, it's just not hard on your mouth. He said, the way that you, the way that the, the taste makes this different than anything else. Well, you know, we were talking about brisket earlier. His, his, I think it was his brother who maybe was there with him joked that it, it was Passover in that burger because there's brisket in the burger as well, <laughs> which maybe I'm giving up trade secrets here, but we thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But uh, no, I think Danny Meyer absolutely uh, nailed it. And it's, it's all about that warmth. I mean, what we do for a living is is so much more than food and drink. And, you know, we were talking about Pinewood earlier. We had an experience where one of our regulars always smiley came in and just seemed a little off. And so went over to check on her and said, Hey, is, is everything all right? And she said, well, today's a really big day to me. Like, Oh, great. Like what's going on? Should we get some champagne? Should we get some bourbon? Should we get you a burger? What do you, what do you need here? And she said, well, today's a, a big day. And she's probably 35, 40 years old. 
and said, uh, well, I really wanted to be in a space that I felt good in and, and safe. And I was like, what's going on? She said, well, I'll meet my dad for the first time. Oh, wow. And you, you think about food and drink, and that has nothing to do with what her experience was, but yeah. she felt great in the space. And, and to me, that was, I mean, how, how special and lucky we are that we get to share that moment with her and try to create a canvas for her to help paint her life on. And, and that wow. was a moment that hopefully she'll never forget. Yeah. So hospitality is greater than food, and the goats can do both. Here's what I wrote. Here's what I wrote. We've been all over to, to strategic hospitality spots. I don't feel like a customer there. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying that because you're sitting here. I'm saying that because of the experience. I shared some of that in the first episode, um, the first part of our conversation. But what that feels like to me is it, it, the op. Well, here's how I wrote it. A feeling of transaction is the enemy of hospitality. And I feel like when I enter into one of your spots or if I'm at Bastion and I look up and, like, the chef's talking to me, making whatever beautiful thing that's about to go on my plate and I've got, like, the Bob Ross Chia head in front of me and, you know, if I'm at Catbird and I'm opening the Cookie Monster cookie jar at the end of dinner, like, all of that plays into an ingredient that promotes connection and it has less to do with the food, and yet somehow you've figured out how to do both. And it's, I'm not asking a question other, I don't think, other than, maybe there's a question. I just want you to travel with me everywhere. This is the uh, the greatest Friday morning ever. I mean, I... <laughs> was this all the dream? Like, was this the dream I wish along? I could say there was a, a real, you know, thoughtfulness that went into it. It's just, I think, who my brother and I are, are as people, and I think that it's uh, we want to make sure that people feel great in our spaces and, and be able to create those memories. And the reality is I'm a, not a good chef. I'm not even that great of a bartender. Yeah. And so I'm able to surround myself with the most talented people and try to create a culture where people love what they do. And uh, hopefully that passes on to the, to the customer. And we put our, our, our staff and the people we work with every day first because they're the ones who are going to go out and execute for the customer. And, you know, one of my uh, absolute favorite people in the world and a mentor for me was the uh, director of student life from Denver University. We went to school because I was, longer story, but I was student body president in school. They thought it was a liability, so they signed me to this guy. I mean, he still to this day is, is someone I'm very close with. And <laughs> he talked about the difference between love and fear and how you make decisions thoughtfully when they're based on love. And when you have fear, that's when you make irrational, crazy mm. things. But he also had a, a brilliant statement that he said, I look at, at food as a vehicle for conversation. Mm-hmm. And especially kind of in, in today's age where I think the art of conversation is is not as strong as it used to be, if we can create spaces where people put their phones down for a minute and will engage and share a meal and have that conversation and create those memories, that, that's that's one of the reasons I get out of bed in the morning. We need to make sure that James Beard ah. uh, gets this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know James? <laughs> so, we're just joking. No, I, like, I, like how, I, I need like to make how, sure we email it to him. I like sure. how curious you are, too. I think that's what's that curiosity you talked about earlier just continue to make you think, well, how can I make these people feel more at home? Mm. And it takes me back to Joe Calloway, a uh, guest we had on the show be, in one of his book. I don't know if you know Joe, but one of his books is be the best of what matters most. Mm. And I think so many times if you go to a restaurant, those people are trying to, they're trying to get the most out of, of them. They just say, what do you want to eat? I'm servicing you. I'm going to get you the food quick. It's going right. to be warm. Instead of figuring out what you want and being the best at what you want and what you're willing to pay that money for and get that value for. Me and you met 
with, with somebody that was uh, owner of a company, construction company. We had breakfast there the other day. Yeah. And what I remember from that experience was that woman came to our table like 47 times yeah. and interrupted our conversation. And yeah. What I thought about is if I was her, what, how could I have done that better? And I thought, man, if I would have came to the table and said, hey, what are y'all doing here today? Oh, we're having a meeting. Okay, well, I don't want to bother you. If you could do this, I'll know you need a refill. Yeah. Or I know you need to see me, but otherwise I'm going to leave y'all alone and let y'all have your time yep. and have your space. Yeah. And that experience would have been just so much def- different and more pleasant. And I think so many times we get caught up in the, I'm going to service this person. I'm going to get them water they want. I'm going to yep. get them the food they want instead of, hey, what would make you feel the most comfortable in your experience today? Creating yep. the environment to connect. That's that what, whatever that, whatever that, that the, the purpose was for you being there. Let, me, right. let me be clear, though. We make mistakes every oh, day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One of our restaurants right now, we're making a mistake. And I think it's how we recover mm-hmm. and I, I learned so much more from failure than I do success. And you know, it's, we, we have people who come in and hate what we do, mm-hmm. but we try to make sure that, that we do everything we can to win them back and then try to make sure that their next experience is a good one. And, you know, for me, I think that, that, that has been a, it, our failure has been a huge part of our success as well. In that, in that 60 minutes interview, Meyer says, speaking to that exact issue, he said, we, we teach our people, there's a boss at the table. And you need to identify who the boss is, and you need to ask yourself, what is it that they want from this experience? And I thought that was a great way to teach that. Who is, who is the boss at the table? What are they looking for from this? And he said at every table, you can identify who is the boss oh, at sure. the table. Yeah. So one of the ways that we um, we love to honor our guests is, is move into this, what we might call a segment, where we talk about the things we think and do not say. And that comes from Jerry Maguire, one of the greatest movies of all time. So hopefully you've seen it, right? I have, yeah. Okay, good. So three out of us, three of, out of four of us at this table have seen it. I've seen it since <laughs> the episode. You haven't seen Jerry Maguire? Yes, I have. So no. it's a cinematic hey, that adventure. is so wrong. Yes, I was brought up different. I was brought up different. He, he, I mean, Jerry, at the beginning, writes a mission statement. It's not, not a, a memo. It's not a memo, and it's called The Things We Think and Do Not Say. The future of our business. And so we like to have some really cool conversations with our guests about what that means to them. I think maybe you mentioned you had something that, uh, like, what is it that happens in your world, whether it's related to your work or otherwise, that we're not supposed to talk about, but would might just change the world if we did? Yeah, let me start by saying I'm guilty of this myself. And so it, it's easy to, to say, oh, I wish it was different, but I certainly have not been the first adopter of this. But I, uh, you know, I, I referenced my grandfather earlier, just one of the most beautiful human beings ever. And, and one of the things that he did was um, just really impacted people's lives without anyone knowing. And he, he passed away. And when he did, we got hundreds of letters from these different charities that we had no idea mm. that he had been donating to. And they weren't huge checks, but they were enough to be meaningful to these different organizations and the only reason they reached out is because the check hadn't come in that year. And so he had hmm. been donating anonymously. And one of the things that I've been reflecting on is just how so many people have their head in their phones. You know, thinking about, you know, this, this kid that we have hopefully being born healthy and happy here soon, trying to keep him off an iPad. Mm-hmm. I just wish there was more of a recognition of just putting things away, spending more time in the woods and doing things randomly that are just acts of kindness that are just out there that you don't need credit for. And you don't necessarily need the instant gratification of a like or you have to tell the world your story so publicly. I just really wish that we could have more people doing things just for the sake of doing them and not necessarily for the credit of receiving the uh, the affirmation that, hey, you did something good. I, I think that 
at least I've seen over the past 20 years, some of that being lost. And it's certainly not the case for everyone. And, you know, in our industry, social media and things like that are super important. I just wish there was a little bit of a reset where there was more random acts of kindness that, you know, I, I think one of the most beautiful things you can do is do something for someone who can never do something for you. Yeah. And I just really wish that uh, we had more good things happening out there that people didn't need to take credit for. When it comes to technology, social media, what ba- what is how does that part of what you just shared play out in your own life? Like, do you set parameters, boundaries, whatever you want to call them around when I go home, shutting things down here or there? Because, well, at, what I make up around that is that you're in the hospitality business where you, in some ways, have to be on all the time. And so I'm fascinated to hear how you might answer that question that you got to be really intentional about it i mean i will literally block off times on my calendar um to have dinner with my wife or to go for a walk or to i mean i put exercises on the calendar i put coffees on the calendar i make sure that i have those moments i think yeah. we all need to do that um but no there it's it's something i struggle with I'm, I'm constantly on my computer i'm constantly on email i'm constantly on my phone just because it's you know we talked about the, the learning yeah. earning and returning you know right now in the second kind of phase of my life I got to be earning, you know, and then hopefully I can be meaningful and give back uh, as much as humanly possible. But I think that uh, I'm, I'm aware of it, but I certainly am not successful at it. And luckily I have a very uh, supportive and understanding wife, but it's something I, I, you know, as I said, I fail at this myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the difference between work-life balance and work-life integration, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a work-life integration. I'm going to integrate all parts of my life into all parts of my life. Yeah. And I'm going to surround people surround me. They understand that and know that. And I hope they'll choose to do the same thing. I think, I think it makes for a life well lived. I've shared this before about Shonda Rhimes, who's a fascinating person who created Grey's Anatomy, how to go get away with murder, a bunch of other really cool stuff. And probably 10 years ago, I was on my bike. It was 630 in the morning, was riding, and I heard somebody ask, it was this interview, they replayed it, ask her the question, single mom, two girls, incredible show, Grey's Anatomy crushing it. How do you do it all? And she goes, I don't. At any given moment in my life, my f- some of the favorite, my most favorite things, I'm failing. Mm-hmm. If I'm at work and Meredith Gray is having this breakout, you know, ex, you know, role or line or episode, my daughters are suffering because of that in some way, right? And so, in some ways, I didn't like hearing that because I totally relate to it, and now I feel that way in very heavy moments in my life, whether it's my kids, my wife, work, or whatever, right? But I, what I hear in what you said is a version of that, right? I don't do it well, and I'm also trying to pay attention to it all at the same time. But, yeah, I think that's right. And, and one of the things that, that I've done is try to, whenever I'm doing, whether it's here with you guys right now or, you know, I have date night tonight with the wife, I try to be totally present yeah. as much as I possibly can. And um, I think that that's really important because it's, it's easy to just get caught up and constantly be doing whatever yeah. it is you need to do. But be as present as possible um, and, and enjoy it. And, you know, I, I'm at an inflection point in my life where, you know, I think COVID may have triggered this a bit more, but I've really tried to just surround, my sa- surround myself with things that provide me joy. Yeah. And for <coughs> individuals or things that are not providing me joy or challenging me or helping me to, to be a better person, I've been pretty deliberate about cutting them out. And Man, I just had a reflection about that this weekend. And I met with my sales team and I was like, you know, <clears throat> y'all aren't just going to call me all the time and walk in here all the time and, and let myself get distracted and I'm touching way too many things and I'm not intentional enough. And 
I said, I'm in here having conversations with you guys, and I'm texting somebody back, and I'm, I'm calling somebody else. Hey, hang on a second. I really want to, want to be start being more intentional. And my challenge is what has made me so good in my life to this point, going back to the canoe from earlier, <laughs> is that I've been an, an amazing communicator. I'm the guy that you can call, and I'm going to answer. I'm the guy you're going to text, and I'm going to have a text back to you in five minutes. And that got me to a certain point. But now I have to be more intentional, and that's more important than me texting back in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I have to I have to prioritize better, and I have to knock off those things and not touch them for six weeks. I have to I have to study and and learn and make a decision and move forward and move on to the next thing. Um, and it's cool to hear you say that because it's literally one of the things in my life that I've been dealing with, not just being on the phones at night or in other times, but being more deliberate and being more intentional yeah. with with everything you do, whether it's exercise or a meeting or a podcast or whatever. And definitely been a struggle in my life, but um, it's nice to hear somebody else say that too. Oh, well, this, this kid on the way, you know, a, a great friend of mine, Kevin Roddy over at Pinnacle Bank had a, a great phrase. He said, hey, with this kid coming up, it's long days and short years. And I just want to make sure that I don't blink and this kid is 10 and I've, I've missed some of these moments and we all will. Right. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to be really intentional about trying to set things up to, you know, be, be the best dad I possibly can. I yeah. appreciate you saying that. So one of the things that we talk about, uh, to the final layer of the Max Goldberg onion that we want to peel off here. The defender of Pepsi. The I love it. defender <laughs> of Pepsi. Uh, and maybe one of the things that brings you joy is what we want to, t- we want to find out your top five songs. So I don't know if you're a Spotify guy. They just came out with the Wrapped. Uh, if you've got that easily accessible, you're at the gym. Not sure if you're a music guy at the gym or you're yelling at the top of your lungs like Tyler does when he when he. We've got 70 seconds, so come on with it. When he's pumping it. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a dose of your own medicine here. Yeah. <laughs> Seven minutes and 12 seconds okay. to be well, exact. Well, you got you got so, 420 seconds. What? What is Max Goldberg Goldberg's top five? So I did pull these, and uh, the first one, and this is in no particular order, but my top five songs were Talking Heads, This Must Be the Place, Naive Melody, which uh, one of my absolute favorite songs of all time. And wow. Was I, don't, with, I don't know uh, that I've heard that one. It was with my great friend Jasper Roberts. Vanderhurd, who unfortunately passed away, but just an absolute goat in his own right introduced me to it and I think I listened to it about a hundred times in a row and still listen to it this day. Absolutely. It's it's uh if you've ever seen the movie Wall Street, it's when he's rolling sushi and okay. uh, I think oh. inappropriately doing drugs, but uh, <laughs> that song is playing and it's okay. uh, it's brilliant. Uh the next one and this is just what popped up on Spotify, but Shadow Boxing by the Jizza, the genius. Oh yeah. We actually had and did a uh a chess tournament at uh, Bastion. He's a like brilliant chess player, oh, and yeah. the only person that beat him was a nine-year-old from Nashville. This is wow. Wu Tang for those of you that aren't as familiar as me as '90s hip hop. So yes, just make sure it's oh. a, it's not Need to Breathe, but it is uh, the Wu Tang. <laughs> so I'm on it. Giant Wu Tang. Come back whenever you want, my friend. <laughs> I Come think, back here we, whenever you want. Were we both want. at the Ryman when when they played there a couple years ago? Uh, you know, one of the reasons I one of the many reasons I knew I love my wife is she's from England and has this beautiful English mm-hmm. accent and she'd never heard of the Wu-Tang Clan and we came back that night and she goes, I really enjoyed the RZA, the Jizza, the Ghostface Killer, Inspector Deck. I was like, oh my God, marry me right now. Uh, so yes, you walk away from that. By the way, Alice's <coughs> wife's walk-up song is Hit Em Up by T.I. Yeah, she, I was really impressed by that. It's yes. a great question. That should be a question for the show, by the way. What's right. your walkout song? Uh, the next one is Bill Withers, Lovely Day. Mm. That can't put you in good mood. I don't know what to tell you about. Uh, I'm going down, Bruce Springsteen. Ah, banger. 
Yes. Uh, everywhere Fleetwood Mac. And then uh, not not on the Spotify top playlist, but a song that I just think is one of the best uh, recorded is The Dance by Garth Brooks. Oh, so good. Beautiful. Kind of all Brooks. over the place with my songs, but hey, there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Beautiful. Say the one quote very quickly that, that you shared in between the conversation uh, earlier that didn't get recorded, but from Garth that you said that was your favorite. He had a, he had a great line uh, I heard in an interview one time, um, but it's, uh, I'm not selling this show, I'm selling the next one. And if you think about that in, in what I do for a living, you guys come in, we've got you. If you're sitting down, you're ordering food, you're probably not leaving. Yeah. But we're not selling this experience, we're selling the next one, so we better be damn good at what we do and make you feel great and make you feel that warmth so you come back the next time mm-hmm. it's the dance you, you got to be careful with john i'll just leave you with this i was i was at a concert one night and so uh, with my wife and john texts me hey what are you doing and i didn't want to tell him that i was at a dixie chicks concert i think that's what i was at that night that's right the and chicks I, man they're they're awesome well just some people you know they polarize the, the country so you tell a you, story you, on here about they lied to you, their you, friend you know, here we go just so, you gotta finish it now well, so. and so and so i said yeah i'm, I'm just in downtown nashville he said you, no, you didn't you said i'm, I'm at, at home. home i'm at home i'm at home it was worse and he said you wouldn't you wouldn't tell me that you're in a dixie chicks well i turn around he's right there next to me so <laughs> We know the Dixie Ticks Chicks is on uh, on John's uh, Spotify list. That's They're for sure. Awesome. I, I support the Chicks and uh, you know Same. so many of their songs, bangers. I just think you guys need to unpack that relationship a little bit. Yes. That you, uh, well, you it, 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 was the, that. it was the start of all this. We we appreciate you being here with us today. We appreciate uh, so good, you Max. sharing Thank you. with the, the learning and the earning and and now yes. it's now moving into returning. Yeah, and uh, we certainly appreciate you taking the time. I'm going to leave you with a Cure song, and the Cure song that I'm thinking of for you is Friday. I'm in love. There you go. Mm. And it is Friday, and we appreciate you being here for Tyler Burnett and John Byers, Max. Goldberg and our good friend Davey over there on the board. I'm Colby Jubinville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Oh.